Thank you, Rich. Thank you. Well, it's been a fabulous weekend, and uh, we've just had so much fun this autumn with the, you know, the Blues Brothers party and the, uh, you know, so many things. But yes, this whole weekend has been given over to Art 25. This, of course, relates to this weekend, not, not, not some event in the future, although, quite frankly, we may well do it. But before I get into that, I wanted to give you a little bit of feedback about last week. Those of you who were here will know that we did something a little bit kind of random out of left field and a bit crazy. And... We, we, we sort of started giving money away to each other and we, we pulled some, a couple up, family up here this last week and we, we, we just sort of came forward and just gave them money and, and I've had a, a lovely email from them. I, I'm, I'm actually not going to read that one, I want to read you the other one from the, from the second service. But both of these uh, people were, were, in my book, just absolutely, you know, total answers to my prayer, which was that God would choose those individuals that we would, that we would randomly uh, choose to bless. And, and I just want to read you this little email from, from the second service, although, as I say, it could have, I could have read from both of them, but, but this was a, an email from a lady called Florence Nandy. She was up there on the balcony, and a number of people at the second service put their hand up downstairs, but I, I, the only thing I felt that the Lord said to me was that that the person I'm choosing will be up on the second, um, will be up on the balcony. And uh, there was, as I recall, only one hand went up, so it was a bit of a no-brainer. So this, this, I said, would you like to come down and join us? And this is what she said. She said, um, she said, dear all at the Vineyard Church, St. Albans, I've been attending the church for the past few months. I enjoy the service and my children thoroughly enjoy Sunday, minister, Sunday school ministry. I came to church this morning praying to the Lord and saying what I've said every day for the past year. Please, Lord, I'm so tired of being broke. Although I know there are people worse off than myself, and I'm so grateful for what I have, my children too are grateful for things they have and get, but my bills are piling up, and I'm not sure how I'm going to get through this month. I pray that you help me through this month. My fridge is empty, and I have nothing for the children's packed lunch. Oh, Lord, I leave it in your hands. And then she said, the Lord heard my prayer and answered me. She says, I'm in absolute shock. Thank you. So give up somebody. Yeah, thank you. It was just a wonderful and very moving if you were here. And um, actually, you could probably see it if you weren't. You can probably see it on the video thing because I think we videoed it at the second service. But it was just a wonderful and moving uh, outpouring of love and support for one another. But, it, you know, it did raise something. That empty fridge thought haunted me. And I, I want you to know that if you are a member of this church community and, and you are struggling to that degree, we have this wonderful feed ministry that, uh, that you know, the district avails itself of, um, I don't know if you know, but we gave, we've, to date, this year, we've given away 37,000 items of food. We get 60 to 70 clients come in on, on Monday alone, and then throughout the week, although we're not officially open, people come in. We have social services coming down here, the police coming down here. We have you know, the Women's Refuge coming down here, various people coming to get food. You know, what, has, what God has birthed here in terms of our food bank uh, called the Feed Project over the last six years is absolutely staggering, but it pains me to think that you might actually be wondering, how am I going to feed the kids this week? So can I just say to you that if that's you, 
Please just make yourself known to one of the members of staff. Is Carol in here at the moment? I know Carol's here. She was there, but she must have popped out. Well, Carol Cahill, our feed manager, will be more than delighted to open up the feed cabin and, and just you know, fix you up with a bit of food to get you through. So, you know, God forbid that the household of God starves while, while we, you know, the, 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 his future household is, is, is fed. So let's, let's just, uh, just be open about that. If you're struggling with food, if that's an issue, please come and have a word. Okay, let me just pray. Father, I want to say thank you for... This, this testimony, thank you for the generosity that seems to be part of the genetic code of this church now. And thank you for all those who come and, and have become part of our community through the feed ministry over the years. And we bless those who are struggling now, those who are really worrying about how they're going to put food on the table. And we pray, Lord God, that what, what happens in this place will be a light to this region. It will be, a, will be like a, a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. So that people know that this is a place where they know love, they know acceptance, they experience grace, they experience mercy, and an overwhelming, overwhelming spirit of generosity. And we ask it all in your precious name. Amen. Okay, so this little talk, not surprisingly, maybe, is going to be called God and Creativity. If I can find the notes, excuse me, here they are. And uh, I, I want to just use this opportunity to, to talk about something that I haven't talked about in many years. Uh, probably 25 years ago, I regularly used to speak at a, a kind of a conference that had the rather naff title of Christians Create. And uh, it was kind of interesting. Uh, and, and for a few years, I used to speak about that. I used to go elsewhere and speak about that. But it's not something I, I've really taught about. And, and so with this wonderful uh, art exhibition, uh, you know, that we've had this whole weekend and lots of, we've had over 45 artists exhibiting, uh, people have sold pieces, 25% of the profits are going to our Bethesda missions and orphanages that we support out there in India. Uh, and, and actually, you know, let's, let's give credit where credit's due. A lot of people have been involved in this, but, but let's just give uh, Jo Kent a huge great round of applause now because she's just driven this thing. We don't know where she is. I can't see her. I know she's, I'm sure she's here somewhere hiding. But anyway, you know, bless her heart. It's been such a joy to, to have this, this, you know, this exhibition going on. So I just wanted to talk a little bit about God and creativity. And to do that, uh, the, the, the scripture verses will come up on the screen. But if you've got a Bible or you're using a Blackberry or something, you may, need to, or may want to just track this through me. But let's sort of begin pretty much in the beginning because an important thing to understand about creativity and our desire to be creative is that all this comes from God. Now, when we were talking about giving, and as we were last week, we said, you know, it's initiated by God, and creativity is initiated by God. So, for example, in Genesis chapter 127, uh, for some of you, this will be a kind of a familiar verse. It says, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Interesting there, I'm not going to go into the sort of the, the, sex, the, the sexist thing or the battle of the genders and all this kind of stuff, but do you see how both male and female are created in God's image? We could spend a lot of time you know, debating that and talking about that, but I want you to be affirmed, whether you're male or female, that you are made in God's image. I want you to be affirmed, whether you are male or female, that you are made in God's image. And it's a wonderful thing. 
Now, this expression, image of God, in the Hebrew is an interesting one and a complex one. Two things I just really want you to know about this. First of all, there is that sense that we are, we are made in some sense to look like God. We are his agents, we are his representatives. There's that sense in the Hebrew. It's, more, it's a little bit more complex and diverse as, as, than the English image of God. But it also has this, this sense that not do we, it's not just that we look like him, but there is a sense in which we are similar to him. So things that appall us, for example, this terrible Philippines uh, disaster. Incidentally, talking of that, um, we have sent a thousand pounds, we did that some, day, some time ago, to that relief effort because we knew you would want to. Needless to say, if you want to give us a little something towards that thousand pounds, it's your money, but we've, we've, we were proactive. We didn't wait for permission. We just thought, let's do it. If you want to give something and just put Philippines thing, that'll go towards us balancing the books with that. So just to let you know about that. So the point, though, I'm trying to make is that the things that appall us are the things that appall God. So the issues of justice, you know, that ain't right. That shouldn't happen. Those kind of things are an expression of God's character whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, but the image of God kind of bursts out of you. You are appalled by the things that appall you. You are delighted by the things that delight you. You know, when, when something goes right, when something, you know, there, there's just a rightness about something, or there's something beautiful and something attractive, something creative that stirs the soul, a piece of music that moves you to tears, whatever it is, a wonderful landscape. These things, these things are part of us being made in the image of God. We, we love what God loves. We're appalled by what God is appalled by. And God loves beautiful things. In, uh, I, I'm not sure whether I've got this coming up on the screen, but Genesis 2.9, it says here, Now the Lord had planted a garden in the east of Eden, and there he put man, the man he had formed. And the, the Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. So when... When, man, when, when man's first job, which was to care for the world, and that's still part of our mandate now, it wasn't just so that we could feed ourselves and get a good crop. There was this element of delight. Part of the, the, the nature and the character of God is to delight in beautiful things. So when we are moved by something, and interestingly, the diversity, you know, we're moved by different things, but when we're moved by beauty, that's part of us living and moving and being as creatures of God, sons and daughters made in his own image. I'm going to just now give you four expressions of God's creative spirit within us and just sort of rattle through them fairly quickly, but, but I hope you'll find it interesting. So the first one, of course, is, is art and design. There's a wonderful passage in, in Exodus 35 and just to give you the background on this story, and I think Matt's going to put this up on the screen for me. Uh, in in the, the children of Israel, I haven't got time to give you the whole story, but the children of Israel are now in the desert. They're in transit. And God speaks to their leader, Moses, and he says, I want you to build a tabernacle. Now, what, what a tabernacle is, it's a portable temple. You know, it's a tent, really, a huge tent. He says, I want you to build a place of worship. And then, you know, when you, uh, when, you, you, when you sort of 
settle down somewhere for a few weeks, you can put this up and then that'll be the place where you meet with me and we'll, you know, you worship me and all the rest of it. And then when we move on, we just take the tent down and we move on and we do something else. Now, actually, it wasn't any old tent. It just didn't ring up sort of blank, blacks or Vango and say, give us a big tent, please. You know, they, 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 the specs for this were really quite particular. But the whole emphasis was not just on functionality, it was on beauty. Even a tent, in God's eyes, was worthy of some thought and design. And there's this wonderful little passage, uh, Exodus 35, beginning at verse 30, where it says, Then Moses said to the Israelites, See, the Lord has chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, and he has filled him with the Spirit of God, with wisdom and with understanding, with knowledge, and with all kinds of skills to make artistic designs for work in gold, silver, and bronze, to cut and set stones, to work in wood, and to engage in all kinds of artistic crafts, and so it goes on. Part of the gift of the Holy Spirit was creativity. For this guy, who was a master craftsman, God had particularly singled him out and had given him you know, an extraordinary anointing for this task. But it matters to God. Art and design matter to God. There's something about art and design, and if you're wired that way, if you call yourself sort of creative or artistic, well, God bless you. Whether you honor Jesus as Savior and Lord at this moment, and our prayer is that you will, but you are already expressing something of the character of God in having that passion, that heart, and that design. So if you're an artist or or, or whatever, be affirmed. So that's one, and perhaps the most obvious, art and design. The second thing I wanted to draw your attention to was the quest for knowledge and understanding. Now, th- this is interesting, because we, don't, we, we, send, we tend to think of science as being hostile to religion, hostile to Christianity. Many of you already know that until what they call the Enlightenment, actually it was the church that was at the forefront sponsoring art and, uh, art and science. And, and, and the, 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 the understanding was that as we understand the created order, we, we catch glimpses of the creator. That was the drive. So, you know, research and development and, and, and all this kind of, this probing into the hidden things was, was part of the, something that the church was sponsoring in order to help people to understand this wonderful universe that God has created for us to play in. It was an extraordinary thing. In fact, it goes right back to the very, the very you know, and there's countless references to that in the scriptures. You know, Solomon's cry for wisdom, and you know, this guy here had wisdom and understanding. But right back in the, in the first book of, of Genesis, Genesis chapter 2, sorry, uh, Genesis chapter 2, um, there's this, this curious little, uh, some would call it a kid's story, but it actually there's a profound element to it, where in uh, Genesis chapter 2, Uh, verse 19 to 20, it says here, uh, now the Lord had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky, and he brought them to man to see what he would name them, the naming of the the animals, a sort of children's storybook kind of idea, but wait a minute, hold on. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them, and whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. 
So the man gave names to all the livestock and the birds in the sky and all the wild animals. So the first task of man was to maintain and beautify the Garden of Eden, but the second name was to name the animals. Now for us, you know, if you get a pet cat and you, you, you kind of, the family stands around the pet cat and you go, ooh, what should we call him? And somebody says it's a bit fluffy, so the cat gets called Fluffy, you know, and so on and so forth, you know. Uh, we, we name our cats and dogs and gerbils and the rest. But actually, in Hebrew thought, a name is, is very profound. We get there some way when we, when we name our, our, our children. Uh, we take a lot of time thinking about names, and the meaning of a name is important. But in Hebrew thought, it was absolutely central. So God watching, giving man the task of naming the animals and then standing by and watching to see how he gets on, what he's about, is actually very profound because in Hebrew thought, you can only name something when you understand it. You can't name something if you don't understand it. So the task was to research, to, to seek to understand the creatures and their, their place in the food chain and, and how they functioned and, and their, their characteristics and, and what it was that they ate and how they related to other creatures and how they sat in creation itself. Only then could Adam name the animal. This is science in chapter 2 of the Bible. You can't name something until you understand it. So this is a creative act. This, so if you are not creatively wired and you, you couldn't do a prophetic dance if you tried, no matter. You may be wired for science, research, development. I know we have, we have scientists in this congregation. It's a great honor to have you. People who make it their, their job. It's part of what they do to try and understand and you, as a follower of Jesus, will know all about the Enlightenment and what that did. But, but, but there again, in the Scriptures itself, this is part of the creative spirit within us being made in the image of God to know and to understand what it is. This is creativity. Third thing I would just draw attention to, and these may be, um, I could probably move through these fairly quickly. Language and literature. Wonderful beginning to John's Gospel. Those of you who've been to a Christmas service somewhere will have undoubtedly heard the opening verse of John's Gospel. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Language, literature are intimately bound up with the nature and the character of God. It says in the book of Genesis that he spoke creation into being. Such was the, the, the power of God's creative word that he just had to say, duckbill platypus, be there. And the duckbill platypus was there. Although he wasn't called duckbill platypus at that point <laughs> until man came along. I think he must have had a bit of a night on the tiles or something like before. And, <laughs> Thought I'll name that duckbill platypus, poor thing. But the point is this that literature, language is important. It has the power to build up, it has the power to tear down. Wars are started because of unwise words. 
You have fallen out, God forbid, with family members because of harsh words. You have fallen in love and committed to another because of words made in vows to one another at a marriage ceremony. There is power and creativity in language and literature. It's, you know, it's, it won't surprise you to know, it's an obvious thing to say, but that it's where I express my creativity. This is what I do, although I like tinkering in the garden, I like tinkering with cars, and you know, I'll do this, that, and the other, but this is where I work that part of the image of God in me out, praying and hoping that the words that I say are strung together in such a way that they will open your eyes to, to new thoughts, open your eyes to the things of the Spirit, open your hearts to the things of Christ. We could spend all morning on this list. I'm just going to do one more because it would be totally remiss of me not to mention this, but the power of music. Psalm 150, let, let's, let's just read that. Can we bung that up, Matt? Psalm 150, the power of music. One's, this psalm, and, and of course the, the book of Psalms is full of poetry and songs, but it says here, praise the Lord, praise God in his sanctuary, Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his acts of power. Praise him for his surpassing greatness. Praise him with the sounding of the trumpet. Praise him with the harp and the lyre. Praise him with timbrel and dancing. Praise him with strings and pipe. Praise him with the clash of cymbals. Praise him with resounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Give the Lord a clap. We worship. We love to worship. We bring God our praise and our worship. It's what we do. But, but all of us have listened to music outside of the context of church and been moved and, and, and been touched and, and, and been exhilarated. And, and somehow it's expressed the joy of the moment or sometimes it expressed the pain of the moment. Uh, you know, it's a no-brainer. But again, the, the creative spirit, God's creative spirit, is infused in this. The whole of creation, all that is seen and unseen, those things that we're still trying to, learn, trying to learn about, these things express and resonate with the creative spirit of God. You know, God created the earth and all that is in it and gave us to manage it and oversee it. That's why... Ecology is important. That's why the environment is important because it's part of our charge to care for the world. It's part of who we are. If we don't do that, we are actually rubbing against the grain. God did this great thing. What's God doing now? What about God? What's He up to? It's a good question. You know, some great artists, Fliss and I love visiting art galleries when we're away on holiday, and some of the great artists seem to be multidisciplined. They will, you know, Leonardo da Vinci, you know, there wasn't anything that he didn't seem to do brilliantly. The man who created the Mona Lisa also devised extraordinarily uh, machines for shifting water around in arid uh, places. He, he, he was a sculptor. He, he was fascinated with the environment. Fliss and I have had the privilege of visiting his, his home in, in the Loire Valley, and it's just an extraordinary place to go. 
It's just packed full of, of things. He, there wasn't anything that he wasn't interested in. He seemed to be able to do all things well. So what's God doing now? He set this thing up. Is he like the deist God, one of the Christian heresies, which, which said that God kind of treated the world like a clockwork toy. He made it. He wound it up. He put it down. And then he stood back and removed himself. And the clockwork toy is running around the kitchen floor, winding down until it gets stuck under the fridge. Is that what's happening in the world? Are we winding down now? No. God is eternally creative. To not be creative would be to deny his very person and character. So, so is he busy elsewhere? Is he on the other side of the universe doing something? Because I don't see much happening now. No, God is, God is at work. Oh, yes. God is at work today. God is at work in this room. Ephesians 2 puts it this way. I think it's Ephesians 2, yes. What the scripture says now is that we are God's handiwork. Some versions translate that as masterpiece. You're a masterpiece. Look at, look at one another and say, you're a masterpiece. There's one or two husbands and wives that can barely say that to one another. It's a bit, I think we're in trouble, folk. <laughs> Come on. Oh, look at that. Give him a bit of a hug. That's nice. Well, that sorted out the row in the car coming here, didn't it? Yeah. The scripture says, actually, what God is about now is at work in us. We're not finished yet. I'm not the Chris Lane that I hope I will be. I'm a work in progress. You're a work in progress. You see, the church doesn't demand that you are perfect to come here as long as you recognize that you need help, that you need a little bit of work, then you're in the right place because this is where we learn to love one another and to, you know, to, to model the image of God. But you know what? It is very moving to see the creative spirit of God at work in the lives of people. I am totally hooked on it. And I look out, I have the privilege of standing here most weeks and looking out over the congregation and there are individuals, countless individuals now, who I see and know and understand that there is a work, a process of transformation going on in them. The spirit of God is in them. And he's moving them along. And they're not the people they were when they came here. Thank God. But they're not the people they will be yet. We are God's workmanship. I'd love you just to watch with me just for the next three minutes before we wind up the service. Just watch this little celebration. This little piece of art, if you like, celebrating God's workmanship. Thank you, Matt. You may not realize it, but you are his workmanship. You are the apple of his eye. He's not trying to trip you up or trick you out. He's actually calling you to himself. 
And the challenge really is to stop running from God, resisting and wriggling free like some difficult two-year-old. The challenge is to stop, to turn around to face God. You may be bruised, you may be breathless, you may be hurting from that which life has thrown your way and the choices you've made. But he reaches his hand out to you. He knows you. He knows of what you're made. He understands where you're at. And he invites you to take his hand and to walk with him in the garden. We're done. I'm going to pray a blessing and read out a few prayer requests. But may I just say this to you, if you're visiting here for the first time, or maybe you've been coming many, many months, but this is a good time, this is a good season to yield to God, to repent and be baptized, to do that turning thing, to ask for God's cleansing and forgiveness, and yet with a certain amount of fear and apprehension that goes with it, to move towards God rather than moving away from him. And at the end of the service, after the blessing, there'll be a bunch of people down there praying for people. And if you want to do that, if you want to just acknowledge that new beginning, please do go to my right, your left, and somebody will pray with you. And they're not there to judge or to counsel. They won't chase you down the road. They won't be ringing you up every five minutes. It's just a way of marking a significant waypoint in your journey. So why don't we just stand now? Could I have the prayer list, Linda? Okay. Let me just pray. Father, I want to say thank you to you for your, your extraordinary creativity. Thank you that you take the likes of us and you turn us into beautiful things. And you're building your people. You are at work. Your sleeves are rolled up and you are stuck in. And there's great joy in this season of transformation and recreation. And we honor you and we thank you because as Solomon said, all things come from you and of your own do we give you. And so bless us, Lord God, in this season, on this day. May this be a new beginning, a fresh start, for every single one of us. And we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Before the service, our prayer team felt that, that the Lord was saying there may be somebody here with, who's hearing voices, which may cause you great anxiety. If that's you, please just go to my right, your left. We'll pray for you. Uh, somebody has a food allergy to custard. I'll try not to smile because it's probably not funny. A child having trouble learning to swim, it's, there's a thing called bispraxia, apparently, I've never heard of that, they're suffering from that. Somebody with throat cancer, somebody with a scalp condition, somebody has a heart condition, God wants to be their strength, somebody suffering from agoraphobia, pregnant lady concerned what has been said to her about a pregnancy, let's pray for you. Someone suffering with a hearing loss, somebody 
with a nail infection. Every week people get prayer because this is not just about words. As Paul said, this is a gospel of power. And these transformations are marked by moments of breakthrough. And sometimes that's physical healing. So please go to my right at the end of the service, your left, and we'll pray for you. But now the blessing. May the Lord bless us and keep us. May the Lord make his face shine upon us and be gracious to us. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon us and give us his peace. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Tell your friends about Jesus and bring them along. See you next week.